Well, that verse is going to be the jumping off point for us uh, this morning. <clears throat> so good to have everyone here today. We're so grateful for your presence. We're grateful to have a good number of visitors with us, and we are so grateful that you've come our way. Uh, we hope that what we've done so far has encouraged you, and we hope that what we talk about this morning will be helpful uh, to you. Before we get into this, let's go to God in prayer. Oh Lord, our God, as we open up your word, we are grateful, and we ask that you would help us to be humble. Uh, we ask that everything we say today would be only your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to think about uh, this verse for a few minutes this morning, uh, particularly because from time to time, uh, we can come to a place where we have a question in our minds, and that question is, can God use me? Uh, I've had this question before. I'm sure you have as well. We look at ourselves and we go, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a weak human being. I've got deficiencies. I've got places where, you know, I'm not as good as this person over here. They can do this. Uh, you know, I sit next to this person. They can sing so well. I can't sing that well. Or I don't feel comfortable getting up and talking in front of a bunch of people uh, can God really use me with all of those deficiencies that I have? I think this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 should put to rest any uh, doubts we might have about God's ability to use us. Now, I think many of us here this morning have come to faith in God um, and Sometimes when we come to faith in God, there are points where we begin to ask this question, can God really use me uh, in his kingdom? Am, can I be useful to him? And that's the question I think that the devil wants us to focus on and to begin thinking and doubting, God, is God really going to use me with all of my weaknesses, with all of my deficiencies? Will God do that? I think the devil wants us to focus on that so that we become distracted, because the reality is, when we focus on our deficiencies, we are focusing more on ourselves than we are on God, who is the one who can make up our deficiencies, so to speak. God did not create us to be exactly like the person sitting next to us. I think if you look through Paul's letters, that becomes abundantly clear. If everybody was a hand on the body, that body would be a pretty poor body. But we all have different abilities, different uh, you know, things that make us unique, but all are important in the work of the kingdom. God wants to use us, deficiencies and all. God wants to use us with, with whatever weaknesses we might have. God wants to use us in his kingdom. And I'll tell you, the reason that we can have confidence that God wants to use us, despite the weaknesses and deficiencies that we might have, is right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. When it says, now we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Do you realize what Paul is saying there? He's calling us, human beings, jars of clay. 
And there's something precious put in those jars of clay. You know, you think about something valuable that you might have. You might have, you know, some jewelry or uh, a family heirloom or something. What are you going to do with that so that it doesn't get injured, so it doesn't get lost? You're going to put it in a safe. You're going to put it in a, in a protected place. God does something very differently with something very precious to him. He puts a treasure in clay pots. He puts his gospel and entrusts it to weak and deficient people. And we see that, I think, very clearly in the lives of the apostles. I realize I've kind of skipped over some of this, but <clears throat> this is seen in the lives of the apostles, I believe, as you see them beginning their ministry, going out from where Jesus has taught them. Jesus has gone back. You remember in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13 what the text tells us? It says there in Acts chapter 4 verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived what about them? That they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That is exactly what 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 is talking about. They look at Peter and John, and they see these people aren't anything special. They're not like the Pharisees. They haven't been schooled from their early days so that they know every aspect of the law inside and out. Though certainly, I think, from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they knew what to say. But these were common, uneducated men. In fact, you look at all the disciples, they all are pretty common, uneducated men. That's who God chose to, to spread his gospel with. He entrusted his gospel to those men. I would imagine if I was in their shoes and I knew how uneducated I was and, and how common I was, it would be easy for me to start going, you know what, I'm not sure I'm the person for this. I better, I better step away from this. I better... Take a back seat. It's not what these men did. God entrusted with them with something precious, and they were just clay pots. And really, that's what it's all about. It's not about the container. It's never been about the container. It's all about the jewel that's inside the container. It's all about the gospel, and that's what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. <clears throat> but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. It's not about the clay pot. It's about what's in the clay pot. And so God places the most precious thing within us, the gospel, and he intends for us then to be useful to him in his kingdom. You think about Paul over the course of these Corinthians letters. He has been challenged. His apostleship has been challenged and questioned. But Paul sees the great wonder of God's uh, plan. And the, the wonder of his plan is so that God can be seen, not the messenger. Paul kind of wants to step into the background and let God be seen, let the gospel be seen. It's not about the package 
about the message. That's what's important. And these clay pots that Paul talks about here, they weren't anything special. They were, as uh, I think uh, Mike's translation said, earthenware jars. They were pots made out of earth, as common as they could be. A dime a dozen, and they could be easily broken. They were fragile. And I don't think that's meant to you know, denigrate us. God has made us special. He's made us unique for his purposes. But I do believe that it is there to show us our place in comparison to the Almighty God. But God places something precious in us. He entrusts us with something valuable and precious to him, his gospel. And because we are simple clay pots, it can become easy then to ask this question, can God use me? It's easy, as we look at our weaknesses and our deficiencies, to look around and say, well, I'm not as good as so-and-so. I see them doing so much. I just don't feel like I can do that. I don't feel like I have that talent or that ability. And we begin to question ourselves, and that leads to discouragement and that can lead to giving up. And I just want to just make this point here, and I think this is an important point. It is precisely our frailty and our weakness that makes us usable in the hands of God. Look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, you remember Paul is talking about his thorn in the flesh here. This is something that he has that he wants to get rid of, but God says, I'm not going to take this away from you. And this is the reason why. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It is our weaknesses and our deficiencies that show the power of God to use us to his purposes. Our weaknesses show God's power when he uses us, and it shows the power of the gospel when he uses us. And the Bible is full of illustrations of this. We're going to use one in particular here in just a moment, but you know, you just walk through the Bible, you think about Peter, big mouth Peter, who constantly is putting taking one foot out of his mouth and putting the other one in there. That, that's Peter. That's a deficiency that Peter had, and yet God used him. You think about Thomas, the doubter, Someone who, who had questions. The deficiency. He, he had a hard time with his faith sometimes. And yet God used him. And you think about Moses in the Old Testament. As God is telling him, I want you to go and deliver my people. And Moses says, well, I'm not right for this job. You know, I, I can't do this. I can't do that. Look at Aaron. He, he can talk better than I can. And you remember what God says to Moses? He says, who made man's mouth? I did. That's why I can use you. Even though you may see it as a deficiency, I can use you in my service. There are illustrations all over Scripture that show that God, God's power is shown in our weakness. But there's one example from the New Testament that I want us to think about this morning. And I use this example because I think that He's very relatable. It's the example of Timothy. 
Timothy, who was a preacher of the gospel, but he was somebody that, that Paul wrote to and wanted to encourage and build up because there were things that could potentially be difficult for Timothy. Uh, he's, he's a young man who so, shows so much potential, and he does so much great work for the Lord, and yet I think Timothy had many realized and potential deficiencies that he could look at and say, I'm not the one God needs to use right now. I'm not sure I'm the one who needs to do this. And yet, despite those realized and potential deficiencies, Timothy still worked in the service of God. You think about just a couple of things from Timothy's life. First of all, we know that Timothy wasn't necessarily physically fits. You remember what it says over in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 23 where, where Paul says to him, no longer drink only water but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. We, we often think about the fact that Paul tells him to use a little wine for his stomach but then we forget about that last part for your frequent ailments. He was somebody who you know had ailments from pretty often. He, he might have been you know that one kid that just was never in school because he was always sick. Now, Timothy had physical ailments that he was dealing with, physical impairments that he was dealing with. You think that might have been something that Timothy could look at and go, you know, I can't do this. I, I'm not sure I'm the person to do this. And I, I think as I look at Timothy's example, I think that's something we can all look at. There are many of us who struggle with some kind of physical ailment, and it would be so easy to look at that physical ailment and say, this is going to keep me down. I can't do anything anymore. That can't stop us. And God can use us despite whatever physical ailment we might have. Uh, I've been in places where it was just so impressive to see people who were, who were suffering still working. You know, they, they couldn't go out and meet people or, or do, you know, super physical activities. But man, when they came through the doors, they were asking you how you were. They were telling you how much they loved you. They were saying how much they prayed for you. I, I mean, I, I'll use this example since he's not here this morning, but... Brother Bob, I mean, he doesn't feel like he can speak as well as he used to, but man, he has been an encouragement to me every time I've talked to him. And I know he has to each and every one of you. And so we need to, to think about the example of Timothy here, who didn't let his frequent physical ailments keep him from doing the work because he understood God can still use me. This may hamper me, but it's not going to hold me back because God has entrusted me with his gospel. And I'm going to do what I can with it. Now, he wasn't physically very fit. He may have also been naturally a timid person. And boy, I can relate to this one. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 10, uh, Paul says to the Corinthians there, when Timothy comes... See that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. You know why someone has to tell other people to put someone else at ease? Because they're not naturally at ease. And so Timothy may have been a very naturally timid 
person, not necessarily an outgoing person. I'll tell you what, I relate to that so much. Because I'm not naturally an outgoing person. I, I like to you know, shrink into myself and not have to talk uh, a whole lot. Timothy doesn't use that as a reason to quit. And we can't either. You know, I, I look at people who are very good at, at being outgoing and talking to people. I wish I was like that. I wish I was more like that. That is an ability that somebody has. That is a God-given ability, and I'm glad that they use that. It doesn't mean in any of this that we shouldn't try to, you know, work on our deficiencies. But our deficiencies should not hold us back from doing the work that has been given to us to do. And whether someone is timid or not, whether somebody is outgoing or not, God can still use you. And he can still use me, just like he uses Timothy. So he seems to have been naturally timid. This one is a big one. He was young. And Paul addresses this in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12 when he says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Now, when we, when we hear this, we think about Timothy being like a teenager doing this. I don't think Timothy was actually a teenager. If you do some of the, the math, he was probably somewhere in the 25 to 40 range. That's a big range, but he was probably somewhere in that range. That, I mean, if you're 40 years old, that means you're young, I guess. So that, that's at least positive. But that was something that could have hampered him. He could have looked at himself and said, you know what? Who am I to be teaching these people who are older than me? Who am I to be teaching these people who are wiser than me by virtue of their age? I shouldn't be doing this job. And yet Paul is the one who tells him, don't let anyone despise you for your youth. I think part of what Paul is saying there is, don't do youthful things so that they have a reason to despise you. And to say, look, you're young, we don't need to listen to you. He's saying... Don't let someone despise you for your youth. That, that could be something that any of us could look at and go, you know, I don't, I don't know that I can go talk to this person because they're so much older and so much wiser than me. I don't know that I can be you know, doing what, whatever it might be because I'm just young in the faith. Brothers and sisters, I'll just tell you, God can use you no matter how old you are in his kingdom. And I have felt this before. I remember going to Louisville and, you know, one of the preachers there is Paul Earnhardt. He's in his 90s. I'm thinking, who am I to stand up here and preach when he's out in the, the audience? I can't stop it. God can use us at whatever point in our lives that we are at. Some of the potential uh, deficiencies that he may have had. There's the potential to be ashamed of the gospel. You remember uh, what, what Paul says to him in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel of the power of God. Paul wants Timothy to make sure that he is proud of the gospel, proud of, of Jesus Christ who he is serving. He doesn't want him to become ashamed of that. 
And, you know, I think about our lives. There are times in our lives where, you know, it, it might feel difficult for us to share the gospel, you know, whether it's at work or, you know, in the grocery line or whatever, you know, you're standing there, I should, I should say something, I should say something, and then we go on by. It would be easy to look at those times in our lives where we didn't say anything and say, I'm no good at this. I shouldn't ever try. I can't do this. God can't use me in this way. And I'll just tell you that's not the case. Like I said earlier, when we focus on our deficiencies, we're focusing on ourselves and we're not focusing on the power of God to, to work. And so when we think about our past deficiencies where maybe we didn't say something that, that we could have or should have, we got to put that in the past and say, God can still work through me, however it might be. And maybe if we struggle with courage, we can still live the right way. And people can see that and we can declare the gospel in that way. Certainly, Timothy, I don't think, became ashamed of the gospel. And he continued to work. And then, finally, you know, there's the potential to give up and quit. I mean, have you ever, have you ever been in a situation where you were so beat down by maybe some suffering that you went through or, or whatever it might be, where you went, I just want to give up. I just don't want to do this anymore. I, I can't keep going on. This is too hard. You know, there's... The reality is God can still use us. And he does use us even when we're suffering because people can see how we are living while we are suffering or, or whatever it might be. God can still use us. I think that's the overwhelming message. That despite the, the deficiencies that Timothy had and the potential deficiencies that he could have that could discourage him and keep him from doing the work that he needed to do, I don't think we see Timothy do that. And Paul helps Timothy to remember what he needs to be all about. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6, what Paul reminds Timothy is that it's the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. When you feel like you can't go on, Paul says, remember, it's the hard-working farmer who gains a reward, so keep going. It's the soldier who keeps marching that finds victory. It's the runner who keeps running that finds the end line. God can use you. Despite whatever weaknesses or deficiencies you may have in your life. I think all of those things could be reasons why Timothy might feel like he probably shouldn't be doing the work of preaching, and yet I don't think we see that. And those are reasons that any of us could, you know, look at our lives and say, I can't do this, I can't, you know, evangelize, or I can't be hospitable, or, or whatever it might be. That's focusing on ourselves. We can focus on the power of God And we need to focus on the gospel, not on the container that the gospel is supposed to be housed in. So this is the, the challenge I would invite us to think about going forward from today. We need to stop focusing 
on our deficiencies to the point of not doing anything. And I think we've all seen sad cases of people who have focused so much on what they feel like they can't do that they don't do anything at all. But we've got to stop focusing on our deficiencies, which is focusing on the container. And we need to begin thinking about the potential that is there if we will use our God-given abilities in his service. And there is incredible potential if we will use our God-given abilities in his kingdom. And I'll illustrate it this way. Um, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a super great mathematician or anything, but I like the illustration of exponential growth. You know, if you're, you know, 10 years old and your dad comes up to you and says, uh, for your allowance, you've got two choices. Uh, this week I can give you $5 and then every week after that I'll give you a dollar. Or I'll give you a dollar this week and every week I'll double what I give you. You know, what's that 10-year-old going to do? They're going to take that $5 immediately and then take the $1 every other week. But you think about it. You get $1 this week, and $2 the next week, and $4 the next week, and it keeps going and going. At some point, um, you get to a pretty huge number. That last week of the year, you would be at, boy, this is a big number, 22 trillion 517 billion, That's exponential growth. Imagine what would happen if we used our God-given abilities to his glory. And what we could do, we did. And it influenced one person. And then that person did what they could do, and they influenced another person, and maybe two people. And it continues to go on and on. Can you imagine how many people might be influenced because you did what you could do and didn't focus on your deficiencies? In fact, that's how the church started. In the, in the book of Acts, a few clay pots entrusted with the most precious gospel of Jesus Christ, uneducated, common men who told people about Jesus, and it spread through the world. And it had an impact as far as Rome and now, it has an impact around the globe. And so really, this is how we should view ourselves then. I have deficiencies. I'm not perfect. You know, I'm too timid sometimes. Whatever it might be, I'm a clay pot. But I have been entrusted with the most precious thing imaginable. That's the story of Jesus, which is a life-changing story which can impact people for years to come, and it has internal implications. It's a story of salvation. 
It's the story of sacrifice and service. It's a sacrifice of one who was God and came as a man and served. All of us, even though we were his enemies, that's what we have been entrusted with, despite our deficiencies. And we can use that and spread that with whatever abilities we might have, all to the glory of God. So we cannot let what we view as our weakness keep us from serving God. Timothy continued to serve despite what could have hindered him. And so I would just end with this this morning. Let's get rid of our excuses. They just slow us down. And let's get down to business. The business of doing the work of the kingdom. I'll tell you why we need to get rid of our excuses and get down to business. And it's because, ultimately, we are not going to give an account to one another. Ultimately, we're going to give an account to the one who has entrusted us with his gospel on that final day. So let's get to work. There is no excuse for not doing the work of the kingdom after seeing everything that Jesus has done for us. We can respond to him in that way. Thank you for your attention this morning. We haven't talked a lot about coming to salvation in Jesus, but at this time we do want to talk about that. Because if you have not come to Jesus and you have not been entrusted with his gospel, and you are in danger. And we are concerned about you, and we are concerned about your soul, and we want to see you share in the hope and the joy that we have every single day of our lives. We live joyfully because of what Jesus has done for us, and we want you to share in that as well. So if you realize that you need to come to Jesus, that you need to make your life right with him, we want to encourage you to do that. We want to urge you to do that this morning. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Jesus is calling out to you, and he wants to save you. And if you need to do something about that this morning, the water is ready for you to be baptized and put Jesus on in that watery grave. And if you are a child of God, Maybe you've been struggling with what we talked about this morning. You've been focusing on what you feel like you can't do. And it has been hindering you from doing what you need to do. We want to help you however we can. Because God can still use you and he will use you if you will let him. If there's anything you need this morning, we ask that you come forward as we stand and as we sing.